I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're so happy to have you here with us this evening. We have a special spooky treat for you. And as I sit here, we've had a nice uh, thunderstorm, a little bit of lightning and rain. And I think it's just the perfect setting for our story this evening. Oh, oh my Thunder's goodness. acting up again. Oh, my goodness. My heart is racing. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, uh, one and all across the United States and around the world. We're sure glad to have you with us. Uh, tonight, uh, Gary and I are going to travel to Kingsport, Tennessee. This is an area that Gary and I really enjoyed visiting a few years back. Uh, Kingsport is near a delightful little town called Telford, where we have a very good friend, and Jonesboro. And what's important about Jonesboro, Gary? Oh, I love Jonesboro. It is the storyteller capital of the world. In fact, Jonesboro hosts a storyteller convention every year, and they have folks that come from all different parts of the globe to share their stories and entertain uh, people with humorous stories, scary stories, stories of romance and action and chivalry. It's just fantastic. And I strongly recommend if anybody is is really into that, if you enjoy listening to our stories, well, then I guarantee you it would be worth your time to book a trip and head on down to Jonesboro. Jonesboro, Tennessee. Yes, the International Storytelling Convention Center is located there. And even on Friday evenings, they, uh, they prohibit uh, vehicle traffic on the main street, which is made of brick, by the way. And they show movies against the sides of the buildings. So right, it's, it's just a fabulous place to visit. And if you like stories, you will be in heaven in Jonesboro, Tennessee. But uh, <clears throat> we're not going to be talking about heaven tonight. We're going to be talking about a place that has a, a little darker history connected with it. And it's over in Kingsport, not too far away from Jonesboro. If Gary and I knew at the time that this place existed, we certainly would have been uh, would have visited it. But unfortunately, we did not. It's called the Rotherwood Mansion, and um, I would like you to picture this majestic southern mansion. Gary, close your eyes and visualize this place. Okay, eyes are closed. I'm, it I'm, was built in Kingsport, Tennessee in 1818. I'm Pic imagining it now. Picture in your mind an elegant brick home, wide Roman pillars, mm. and a very classic southern gothic design. It's beautiful. Oh, yes. Oh, it's incredibly beautiful. Mm. Now, in the later part of the 18th century which is the 1790s or so. Yes. There was a young man named Frederick Ross, and his family inherited a large parcel of land, several hundred acres. And that land, by the way, extended almost to the Virginia border, so it was quite a land holding. Now, Reverend Ross and his family were very wealthy, and they were widely respected in the area. In fact, he is the one credited with laying out the town of Kingsport. Now, he couldn't have known that a couple hundred years later, the town would have an incredible supermarket called Ingalls, which has an incredible deli and bakery, which we know. <laughs> but, you do love bakeries. Uh, oh, yes, and incredible delis as well. 
But like most uh, wealthy families in the South at the time, uh, Reverend Ross owned slaves, and uh, they grew food on the plantation grounds, prepared it for the dinner table in a detached kitchen. And uh, Ross also had uh, several indentured white servants, uh, but he was not known to be a cruel man. He treated his slaves well. He never resorted to cruelty. And uh, he was truly a pious man of God, uh, according to the neighbors. Now, Ross had, uh, Reverend Ross had several children, but history has forgotten all of them except his daughter, Rowena. Now, Rowena was said to have raven hair, a fair complexion, and not only was she beautiful, Gary, but she was intelligent as well. You know, he actually sent her away up north to uh, get her schooling. And she came back exhibiting the finest in southern manners at all times. So uh, she was uh, just absolutely uh, something to behold. Even the slaves liked Rowena. Uh, So it comes as no surprise that all of the eligible bachelors in the area, Gary, they knew and they liked Rowena. And perhaps all of them at one time or another dreamed about having her hand in marriage. Oh, that is correct. So Rowena fell in love with Nathaniel. And Nathaniel was her first love. This young man was planning on becoming a doctor. He was going to medical school and and all of this. But he decided to put that on hold for Rowena. He wanted to start his life with her. Now, the one thing that you need to understand about Nathaniel is that Nathaniel was also a novice sailor. It was his passion. Besides medicine, he enjoyed being on the water. He enjoyed being in his boat. And that was his downfall because one particular day, Nathaniel had decided with a few friends to go out on the Hosteen River. And they were out sailing. Rowena and a few other observers were watching them. And all of a sudden, the boat capsizes. Rowena The whole group of people watching are just horrified. They're in shock because they see these four men flailing about in the water, splashing around. Now, this river is notorious for having such a strong current, like an undertow in the ocean, just pulling them under, them swallowing and breathing in mouthfuls of water. No man would really be able to survive this kind of event. But three of them did. The unlucky man who did not was Nathaniel. Rowena was absolutely heartbroken. She was just torn apart. She had lost the love of her life. She went into mourning. Some people uh, said that she actually was just away from society for two years because the grief was so powerful. She wouldn't talk to anybody. Somehow, During this period of time, she ended up meeting the second love of her life. The man's name was Truman. Truman was a businessman. And somehow, Rowena was able to find happiness again. Her and Truman, they got engaged, they got married. But it wasn't but a week into their marriage that tragedy would strike again. You see, Truman contracted yellow fever. He got very sick, very, very sick. And by week two, he was dead. 
Well, you can imagine all of this tragedy was enough to just throw her into the deepest, darkest amount of depression anybody could ever go through. This time she went two, I'm not two, 12 years, 12 years of just being alone, being sad and depressed at what had happened to two men in her life that meant so much to her. But again, somehow, some way, Rowena was able to find love again. She found love in a man named Dr. Paul. Dr. Paul was a very successful man who was able to bring Rowena some happiness. She was finally able to get married and have a child. They had a daughter. What was the daughter's name? Lorraine. Lorraine. And everything was going great, uh, going great for her, at least in appearance. But it wasn't too long before devilish voices began to speak to Rowena. Yeah, I think Lorraine was only about six years old when this started happening. And we're not really too sure if this was something that had to do with mental illness or a curse that had befallen poor Rowena. But these voices began to tell her to kill herself, to join her first love, to just do it. Now, Rowena had tried to fight off the voices, to fight off the feelings that had been growing inside of her. Her parents had contacted specialists to help her, to watch over her. But these voices, these evil voices just... They wouldn't let up. Somehow, Rowena was able to get away from the people watching over her, make sure that she didn't do something that she would regret. And she made her way to the river where she threw herself in and she drowned. Now, it's said that Rowena's spirit walks along the shore of the river dressed in a white wedding dress. But you know what? Rowena's spirit would not be the only ghost haunting this area. No, in fact, that was just the beginning. You see, in 1847, the uh, Reverend Ross, her father, uh, had fallen onto some hard times and could no longer afford to live in the lavish home that they had made for themselves. So he had to sell. And he sold the house to Joshua Phipps. Now, Joshua Phipps was not the kind, pious, generous community member that uh, the Reverend Ross was, no. Mr. Phipps was well-hated in the community. He was hated by his servants and the slaves living on the property. The man was so evil and sinister. You want to know how evil he was? The man actually had a whipping post erected in the house so that he would be able to punish servants and slaves, whether it was raining, snowing, cold, hot, didn't matter. He would have the luxury of punishing them however he saw fit. I would say he would be a, a modern Marquis de Sade, real sadist. So about 15 years later, after uh, purchasing this house, 
Mr. Phipps gets sick. And when I say he got sick, I mean this man was violently ill, had a, just a raging fever, and died. You see, nobody in town would have come to help him. They didn't like him. He was not a desirable person to be around. So his death probably wasn't uh, even a footnote on most people's minds. But that being said, when they started looking into his death, it seemed as though Mr. Phipps had been suffocated. A slave working in the house who had been around Mr. Phipps during the time of his passing had been fanning him with a large fan or leaf or whatever, something to keep him cool. Now, the slave in his defense during the trial said that he was not the one who killed Mr. Phipps. No, that it was something else. He claimed to have witnessed a large swarm of flies. I want you to imagine this, a large swarm of flies coming in through the bedroom window, filling Mr. Phipps' mouth and nose, burrowing deep inside of his skull, filling every crevice. He said that he choked to death on the flies. And after he died, after his last gasp of air, the flies left his body and went out the way they came. Now, of course, if you remember when we talked about the Wythe house and we talked about what happened to uh, George Wythe and how his uh, nephew, grandnephew had uh, poisoned him, you'll remember that the slave who worked in the house who had witnessed the uh, grandnephew doing the deed, her testimony was thrown out because she was a slave because, of course, during this period of time, uh, they would not take the testimony or uh, word of anybody who was a slave. So, of course, they did not believe the slave, and they accused him of the murder. And uh, I believe he was, was he executed or just imprisoned? No, he was uh, executed for murdering Joshua Phipps. Now, here's the interesting thing. When they did the autopsy on Mr. Phipps' body, you know what they found inside of his body? They found evidence of flies that were still lodged in the sinus cavities and in his throat, in his larynx. Actual flies, I kid you not. Now, if that wasn't the icing on the cake, this one would be. During his funeral, as they were moving his casket, his casket begins to move. It begins to vibrate. Somebody, one of the pallbearers had to have been, opened up the lid to the coffin. Out of the coffin jumps a black dog. They believe maybe the black dog had gotten inside of the coffin when it was being closed up. Now that to me just seems a little bit far-fetched. I mean, how would you not know that a dog was inside of a coffin? That's just, it doesn't make sense. But I'll tell you this. In folklore, in areas like West Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, these places, there are stories of the black dog. The black dog is often associated with death. And in many cases, the devil himself. In fact, another name for the black dog 
would be the devil dog. So it begs the question, was it just coincidence or was it something more evil? Something that had started with Rowena. What a story. And all I can say, Gary, is no wonder so many uh, folks in Kingsport are uncomfortable visiting that place at night. Oh, Gary, I have to ask, was this uh, place cursed from the very beginning? Or are we dealing with uh, an incredible number of tragic events, all, all a matter of a deeply troubling coincidence? I think, Gary, we're going to have to leave this to our dear listeners. You folks need to decide for yourself. I'm Richard. I'm Gary. And this was a spooky story. <laughs> <laughs>